Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gora Bhaktivinoda Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gogopina Shaima Kunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jaya Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jaya Matur Dhamma Ki Jaya Vrit Maya Pur Dhamma Ki Jaya Puri Dhamma Ki Jaya Dhangamaya Jumuna Devi Ki Jaya Bhakti Devi Ki Jaya Tulsi Maharani Ki Jaya Samaveta Bhaktivinoda Ki Gora Premananda All Glories to the Assembled Deities all glories to the assembly. All glories to the assembly. All glories to Sri Guru and Varanda. All glories to Sri Prabhupada and Mahon Vishnu Padaya. Krishna Prasadi Bhutalai Sri Mati Bhaktivinata Swami Nichinamani. Namaste Saraswati Deve Goravani Pachani Namaskasa Sunyani Paskachadi Sajani. Vandayam Sri Guru Sri Uttapa Kamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavam Shah. Sri Rupam Sadhvajatam Sadhana Raghunatam Vitam Sam Sajivam. Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva. Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahadana Lavita Sri Vishakamatam Shah. Ajitapati Krishna Kisim Devatam Titanam Pavanavya Vaishnavimaha. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 6, Jnana Yoga, Text 38. Kachin Vibrastas. Whether. Na. Not. Ubaya. Both. Ubrastaha. Deviated from. China. Torn. Abram. Cloud. Eva. Like. Nashiti. Perishes. Apratistaha. Without any position. Mahabaho. Almighty Armed Krishna. Vimudaha, bewildered, Ramanaha, of transcendence, Hati, on the path. Almighty armed Krishna, does not such a man who is bewildered from the path of transcendence fall away from both spiritual and material success and perish like a riven cloud with no position in any sphere? Purport by Srila Prabhupada. There are two ways to progress. Those who are materialists have no interest in transcendence. Therefore, they are more interested in material advancement by economic development or in promotion to the higher planets by appropriate work. When one takes to the path of transcendence, one has to cease all material activities and sacrifice all forms of so-called material happiness. If the aspiring transcendentalist fails, then he apparently loses both ways. In other words, he can enjoy neither material happiness nor spiritual success. He has no possession, position. He is like a riven cloud, 
a cloud in the sky, sometimes deviates from a small cloud and joins a big one. But if it cannot join a big one, then it is blown away by the wind and becomes a non-entity in the vast sky. The Brahmanapati is the path of transcendental realization through knowing oneself to be spiritual in essence, part and parcel of the Supreme Lord, who is manifested as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. And Bhagavan. Lord Sri Krishna is the fullest manifestation of the Supreme Absolute Truth, and therefore one who is surrendered to the Supreme Person is a successful transcendentalist. To reach this goal of life through Brahman and Paramatma realization takes many, many births, Bhagunam Janmanam Mante. Therefore, the supermost path of transcendental realization is Bhakti Yoga, or Krishna Consciousness, the direct method. Kacha no bhaya vibratas, china brahm ivanashriti, apratisto mahabaho, bimudo brahmanapati. Almighty Yom Krishna, does not such a man who is bewildered from the path of transcendence fall away from both spiritual and material success and perish like a riven cloud with no position in any sphere? So this is a very important question that Arjuna is asking. And of course, right now we just get the question uh, and not the answer. For the answer, you have to stay for a few more verses. So today, instead of looking at the answer, we'll look more at the question. By the way, children are welcome. You don't have to leave. So here Prabhupada says there's two paths. One is where, I mean, in one sense you can say there's millions of paths. In one sense, you could say there are as many paths as there are Jivas. And even within the category of material and within the category of spiritual, there's so many paths. But these can be categorized into two main paths. One is, do you want to try to be happy in the material world, materially? And the other is, do you want to try to be happy spiritually? These are the two main questions, and we'll look in a minute at different spiritual paths which Prabhupada speaks about uh, in this purple. But these are the two main questions. How do you want to be happy? Do you want to have a nice situation for the body and the mind? Lots of nice food, a comfortable house, uh, enough money to buy what you want? For the mind, pleasant relationships, community, fame, a career that you enjoy, an idea that you've contributed, something of value to the world, and in the next life go to some better place, okay? some place where there's even more of the same but at a higher level. Or do you say, you know, like Arjuna said in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, even if I won the battle and got opulence like the demigods in heaven, it still wouldn't be enough. So there are those, and I think it's everyone in this room or listening on the radio or internet, that we all said no. No. 
That's not enough. I want something different. Right? The, the people who are rich and famous and powerful and beautiful and talented, they'll all tell you, I achieved everything and said, is that it? I remember once reading an interview with famous rock and roll guitarist Eric Clapton. Very famous, very talented, very rich. And he said, by the time I was like 24, I had already achieved everything anybody could want and it was just boring. You know? Because it's all superficial. None of it is touching the self. I think of it as like a picture. <clears throat> like you take a picture of yourself, you know, in some kind of advertisement. <clears throat> like there'll be an advertisement in a magazine for a car. You know, and there's this beautiful car in front of this beautiful house and this happy family. Right? You've seen these advert these pictures. Aren't I happy? But it's it's it, it's not real. It's not deep. You just look at it and say, see, I'm happy. You know? But inside there's just anxiety, striving, hopes. It's not really peace and joy. So some people say, hey, I want something completely different. I want something internal. I want something spiritual. I want God. I want an ultimate reality. I want something eternal. There's a story in the Mahabharata. There's one very pious man. I can't remember his name. It starts with an M. So he was offered to go to heaven. And the chariot comes from heaven. So probably many of us, if a chariot came to take us to heaven, we would agree. We might not want to admit that in front of all the other devotees. <laughs> but he asked the chariot driver, so what's it like? You know, where am I going? Tell me about it before I hop on. You know. Oh, there's beautiful gardens and ponds. And, and does it last forever? Uh, no. And at a certain point your garland fades and then you know my time is up and then you come back to earth he said forget it I'll take another train <laughs> I want an eternal destination so we go to another to the supreme now Srila Prabhupada mentions here because in the Sanskrit Arjuna is saying Brahmanapati the path of Brahman on the path those who fall from the path of Brahman and Srila Prabhupada is explaining that the spiritual path can be understood as aiming for Brahman realization Paramatma realization or Bhagavan realization and Arjuna could be speaking about any of those paths in this particular verse so in this particular verse and this is an important point which we'll get to in a few minutes in this particular verse, Arjuna is not discriminating between these different paths. He's speaking in general about transcendence. So there are these two paths. Now Arjuna is asking the question, suppose you start on the spiritual path, which necessitates not having your hopes and dreams on the material path. 
and then you don't make it. Do we know of people who didn't make it? Who knows of someone who didn't make it spiritually? You know, I think we know of many people who didn't make it spiritually. They came, they tried, they failed. A few years ago I was meeting with one devotee, someone who's very, very dear to me, God's sister, who went through great tribulation in her life, very great tribulation on, on every level, social, physical, psychological, family, extreme. And in that extreme suffering, gave up on Krishna and became a Buddhist. And she told me, she said, Ormila, I tried to be a personalist and I failed. She said, I don't even want the Brahman, I want nothing. So some people fail, yes? Some people fail and just go out and go to the movies and get a motorcycle. <laughs> some people fail that way, some people take up some nihilistic philosophy, some people become atheists. I know one person who left and became, you know, very, very anti-God. Not just an atheist, but like an impassioned atheist. So some people fail. And some people fail less dramatically. Some people just, you know, they still come to Rathiatra. Right? To socialize with all their old buddies. They don't even walk in the parade, they just come to the festival afterwards, you know, and hang out with their friends. And they say hi go every once in a while. You know, and if you go to their house, there's alcohol and there's so many things. So they don't become burning atheists or Buddhists or but they they fail. Or even less extreme than that, you know. Maybe they come to Rathiatra and Janmastami. But they're not chanting, and they're not offering their food, and they've got the Bhagavatams in their house somewhere, okay. behind all their DVDs. So we all know people who fail. And maybe sometimes we worry that we're going to fail. Maybe sometimes we think we're already failing. It's just... Just the other day talking to a friend who said, I don't think I'm going to make it in this life. I just don't feel that I'm going to make it in this life. So Arjuna is saying, suppose you fail. And then you didn't stock up all this pious activities. You didn't spend your time trying to be a, a pious dharmic person in the world so that you would go to heaven. You gave up so much sense enjoyment in this life, then you'll be not nowhere. You don't have the stock of good karma. Sometimes we see it just on a very practical level. You know, somebody gives everything up, they leave the university, move into the ashram, 
then they get to be 45 and decide, I think I want to get married. Right, you've seen this? Right? And then the only thing they know how to do is distribute books and play in Redunga. And their, their wife is saying, ah, how's I going to pay the rent? And they feel, I lost my brahmachari life and I'm a failure as a grahasta. Yes? So this is Arjuna's question. And it's, it's a very practical question. It's a very thoughtful question. It's a very real question. It's a, it's a question that, you know, our, our ISKCON society has grappled with. You know, when, when I joined the Hare Krishna movement, you really just gave up everything. Yeah, I left college. I gave away my car. I never thought of giving it to the temple. I don't know, I just gave it away. And had a little tiny things I brought with me. I thought, you know, I don't even know if I'm allowed to bring shampoo. <laughs> just staying in a room with 12 other ladies, you know, sleeping on the floor with a little blanket. That was what it meant. Right? And then we saw so many people who did that. They hit 35 or 40 and went, oh. Now what do I do? I don't want to live in the ashram anymore. So now it's like we're telling everybody, look, you better get your degree, and you better get a career, and don't just move into the ashram. Make sure that you're all, you know, you're all situated materially, right? You know. Because this is a question. It's a very real question. It's not just a question Arjuna had 5,000 years ago. It's a question we have today. And we're saying now, well, you kind of better hedge your bets, you know. Surrender to Krishna, but make sure everything else is okay, too. You know? I mean, don't be too much of a materialist, but, but don't just give up, just kind of, you know, straddle it, sort of. You know? I haven't quite figured this out. So, in our asking questions, we should ask questions that are our real concerns. Like earlier in the Bhagavad Gita, in uh, 434, one should ask questions. And Prabhupada said there that blind following and absurd inquiries are condemned. Like I think Prabhupada was in Japan when the student asked Srila Prabhupada, have you seen the demigods? And Prabhupada said, why are you asking this question? He said, if I've seen the demigods, how will it help you? And if I haven't seen the demigods, how will it hurt you? This question has no meaning. You know, people ask these sort of questions, and you're just thinking, why are you asking this question? What, what benefit does it give you? So we should ask questions that are very meaningful. This was a very meaningful question. It was a question of Arjuna's own doubt, himself, that Krishna's putting forward this system. And he's like, huh, I don't know if I'll be able to make it. And we need to look at our own life and our own real issues and our own real problems and our own real doubts and ask about that. Ask something that's genuine. Ask something where the answer will really benefit us and allow us to move forward. 
something that really matters. Now, sometimes when I'm traveling, we do a, a little uh, questionnaire where we pass out pieces of paper to everyone and we say, write down what is your biggest doubt, what is your biggest struggle, what is it you don't understand to get a sense of what's actually going on in the community. And sometimes people write down questions, not that they really have, but that they think will be very uh, socially acceptable to ask. Some, a question that will make them look good for asking the question instead of something that they really care about. Now it's also for us as preachers and teachers of Krishna consciousness that we should have some awareness of what people's real questions are. I see that in many of our classes and seminars and preaching, we talk about things that are of very little relevance or help to the people in the audience. That you come to the class and you're like, what did that have to do with me? What can I use that for? How is it valuable to me? So we should ask questions that really matter for ourselves. And we should try to help people with what really matters for themselves. So Arjuna is giving this example. And in fact, in this question, you might say that in a way he's challenging Krishna. I mean, after all, he has said in the same section, I don't think this is a practical system of yoga. I don't think what you're presenting is very useful. And he has so many doubts about it that he says, I think I'm going to fail. This reminds me of Dhruva Maharaj when he was speaking to his guru Narada. And Narada said to him, look, forget about this whole vengeance thing. Just forget about it. You know, why care about getting on your father's lap? And it's such a big deal, getting on your father's lap, really, you know? It's not so important. And getting this kingdom, and just let it go. Just forget about it. Go home. Be peaceful. When you're older, you can do yoga. Don't worry, there's plenty of time. And Dhruva says, I can't do that. I can't follow that advice. That's also a very important question or doubt to bring up to one's authorities. You know, it's interesting because later Dhruva lamented that he didn't follow Narada's first instruction. But Narada was very proud of his disciple. And Narada was going even to the Prachetas and saying, my disciple Dhruva at the age of five years meditated and saw the Lord in only six months. So even though Dhruva had done the plan B, right? Narada said, do plan A. And Dhruva's like, I can't do your plan A, Dhruva. All right, here's plan B. Still, he achieved success. And Narada was very proud of him. So one should also be honest like that. I was recently at a meeting between a spiritual master and disciples. And the disciples said to the guru, Guru Maharaj, can we do such and such thing? And the spiritual master said, well, I would prefer that you didn't. I would prefer that you did something else. But if you really feel that this is what you need to do, then at least keep chanting Hare Krishna and help the mission. And later when I talked to their guru, he said that if I had told them to do the highest thing, they probably would have snapped. 
they wouldn't have been able to sustain it. They wouldn't have been able to maintain it. This is nicely explained also in the Nectar Devotion under the heading of over-endeavoring for mundane things, which is usually how we put it. But there is just put as over-endeavor. And Prabhupada says there that over-endeavor means that you take some vow that you can't keep. You say, okay, you know, I'm going to chant 64 rounds and sleep only two hours and eat only old rice that the cows won't eat and mix salt with it. And, you know, after a week, you're buying some cheesecake at the MBT. <laughs> I remember uh, some years ago, I heard Burjan Prabhu was saying that he had uh, taken a vow not to criticize anyone, but that he hadn't been able to keep it. And being very proud, I thought, well, I'll do better than Burjan. And so... I said, I'm going to take a vow for Kartik that I won't criticize anyone. And, oh my goodness, I... <laughs> you know, one should not... What happened was Krishna showed me how in my mind I was being critical about 50 times a day. He's like, you know, he started flagging it for me. You understand? You know, every time I had a critical thought, he'd go, bing, another one. And I'd have bing, another one, bing, another one, and then like, oops. Alright, scratch that vow. <laughs> so this is also important to be honest about what you can and cannot do. To be honest. So those of us who are preaching, we should always be able to present somebody with a plan B and a plan C. I mean, Prabhupada would sometimes say to people, you know, if you're going to eat meat, at least don't eat cows. Eat goats. You know that. Sometimes he would say that. Oh, we really want to eat meat. Okay, just eat a goat then, okay? Or wait till the cow dies naturally. Don't kill it. That's like a plan Z, you know? <laughs> so, but we need to be honest with ourselves. What am I going to be capable of doing long term? Again, I was speaking with a devotee that's asked me many questions over the years and I've given some suggestions and he keeps asking me the same questions. And finally I said, you know, Prabhu, why don't you take one of my answers and work on that? Just one. And make even a little graph, you know, every day, what progress are you making on and he said, well, you told me that before, but I wanted to pick the most important thing to work on, and I didn't know what was most important. I said, look, why don't you take the easiest one? Forget about the most important. Take the easiest one, where you can actually have a, what we call a quick win. So to be honest like that, and say, you know, I, I don't think I can go to the forest and sit on a deer skin and stare at the tip of my nose and be a brahmachari and eat only roots and fruits and the, the leaves and breathe once every 12 days and I don't think I can do that. Can you give me something else? Which leads us to the context of this question which is extremely important. So Arjuna said earlier in the Bhagavad Gita that he was just going to leave the battlefield, right? Like, I'm, I'm done, Krishna, I'm going. Better to live by begging. So 
This is a very interesting preaching tactic that Krishna is using and one that we can use with others and with ourselves. If somebody suggests something that we know is not going to work, because, see, sometimes it's not the teacher who's prescribing something that's too high and where the student has to say, uh, that's too high. Sometimes we are setting something too high for ourselves or inappropriate for ourselves. When we're doing that, it's based on what, usually? Ego and? Well, I'm going to immediately cry. I'm going to, you know, live like Raghunath Das Goswami tomorrow. <laughs> now, an interesting tactic, instead of just saying, you can't do that, you prideful, egoistic fool, we could say, oh, you know, that's a good idea. Look, this is how you do it. So that's what Krishna's doing here. He's saying, okay, you don't want to fight this war. Because Arjuna said just a little while ago, I'm confused by your equivocal instructions. Why are you telling me to give up all abominable activities and do booty yoga? And then you're also telling me to fight. Right? So Krishna's like, you know, okay. You don't want to fight. You don't want to go that route. You just want to meditate and beg. Okay, fine. No problem. Here's the system. Here it is. There you go. Gives you what you want. Does Krishna ever do that with us? We want something. We're like, I want this, I want this. He's like, here you go. And then we go, uh, oh. Um, yeah. So that's what's happening here. Krishna's saying to Arjuna, here you go. Here's your dhana yoga. Just what you said you wanted. And Arjuna's saying, uh, um, Chanchalahimana Krishna, I don't think I can do this, Krishna. And, 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 um, um, I'm going to fail. And then I'm going to fail, and then I won't achieve transcendence, and I won't win the battle either, and I'll be nothing. So what Krishna's done here is the expert psychologist and teacher has had Arjuna come to that conclusion himself. By letting Arjuna picture, all right, here's your future. That's where you want to go. This is what it's going to look like. And that it's a very interesting way to help somebody sometimes. When we see they're going down the wrong path, but they're really determined about it. I can do it, I know. Okay, yeah, a great idea. Okay, you could do this and this and this. You know, okay, it's going to be four years of undergrad and then another four years of medical school, another two years of internship, we're working 120 hours a week and then another two years of residency and then by that time you're 35 and then they may go, oh. So that's what Arjun is doing. And it's extremely important that Prabhupada's pointing out in the purport about Brahman Paramatma and Bhagavan. At the end of the purport, he says, you know, bhakti yoga is the direct process. 
first of all, in bhakti yoga, there's far less chance of failure because what you're doing is easier and simpler. And Kaval and Nandakanda, it's blissful even for the beginner. It's blissful, has or at least blissful aspects even in the Anartanavritti stage, the most difficult stage of bhakti. Prabhupada says it's a hard struggle with determination. But even then, you still go to the kirtan and eat MBT cheesecake. Right? And get to see the beautiful deities and read wonderful philosophy. But there's still so much happiness, even in that most difficult stage, where you're neither really a fool nor a transcendentalist. Right? So in the stage of bhakti, as Krishna is going to explain, there's no failure. Swalpa, even a little bit of bhakti, you always get to keep. First of all, you're not as likely to fall from bhakti. <coughs> Second of all, it's not as difficult of a process. And third of all, even if you do fail in bhakti, you get to keep whatever you've done. You, you don't become lost. And in bhakti, you don't have to give up having a family and having a career and working in the world. You don't have to give up. It's not that to perform bhakti you have to give away your car and not have any shampoo and just sleep on the floor in an ashram. The whole world can practice bhakti. You can practice bhakti as a university professor and as a prime minister and as a soldier and as a business person and as an artisan and everything. So it's not necessary in bhakti to make this sort of absolute choice where you've walked away from everything in the world. And therefore, this question doesn't really arise if one is taking up. This question actually arises more in the other systems of yoga, which Krishna is explaining because Arjuna was pushing for that. He was pushing in that direction. So although sometimes we may have this kind of doubt ourselves, we really don't need to in bhakti. Everything we do in bhakti is permanent, even if we don't achieve full success in this life. But we should try for full success in this life. We should be serious about full success in this life. Not be lazy, not be complacent, but at the same time be honest about our capabilities. And know that everything we do is eternal and we keep on going. And we can have a house and a car and a family and a job in Bhakti and, we, and be a pure glory. The only thing we have to sacrifice on the path of materialism is Ankara. That's all. It's just Ankara, Vimudha, Makarta, Hamiti, Manyate. That's the only thing we have to give up. This idea that I'm the enjoyer, I'm the controller, Ishwar, Hamaham, that, that we have to give up. That, there's no compromise. But that, there's no pleasure in that at all. That's only pain in that. The only thing you have to give up on the path of bhakti is pain. I didn't get to advance in pain. Well, no, you didn't. I lost out on suffering in the world. <laughs> you know, that, that's the only risk you're taking. I didn't get to be in some illusion that I was the master of the planet. This is ultimately, oh, I said I wasn't going to give you the answer, but I did. 
Bad, <laughs> Sorry about that. Hope I didn't steal the thunder from the next speakers. <laughs> so we looked here at the two paths, at asking important questions, at, getting, at preaching to people, teaching people in ways that are important to them, being honest about what we can and cannot do, about when people are insisting that they can do something that they can't, that one way you can deal with that is to agree with them. Oh yeah, sure, you can do this. And show them what it'll look like so they'll understand it for themselves. And finally we looked at that Arjuna's question is relevant in the other kinds of yoga but isn't really relevant in Bhakti. So we have a little bit of time for questions, comments, additions, subtractions. As I say, I have one devotee here brought some copies of my new book if you're interested. Is, uh, it's based on um, Jed Bart's Metaphors of the Forest of Enjoyment and Mahaprabhu's instructions to Sanatana Goswami in Majjhima 1920 and Raghunath Goswami's Manashiksha, all those metaphors, and it's a novel of somebody going actually from materialistic life to Krishna Prima. It's a book that's written in language for the public, so you can give it to non-devotee friends and family, but it also takes you to Krishna Prima in Vrindavan, so it's not just a you not this body kind of thing. So yes. Thank you very much for a nice class. Um, in your class. <coughs> oh, we have a microphone for the questions. Hi, Krishna. Thank you for a wonderful class. Um, in your class, you mentioned that the Grihastha, who, uh, who has some knowledge of Sankhita, well, we often see like that. I didn't say they are. I said we see like that. That we may think, oh, that's all he knows how to do. How's he going to make a living? I'm a Sankirtan devotee, and I was a lawyer before. <laughs> so, um, Sankirtan devotee is very nice to employ this Krishna. And, um, so you're going to make a plug for being a grass to Sankirtan devotee? Well, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is everyone should try and do some books. Uh, not only on the street, but door-to-door your neighbor, your friends, or whatever, especially next month coming up, Shri Prabhupada's uh, book distribution month. So uh, if, you can, if you can give Shri Prabhupada's books, Shri Prabhupada will preach for you, and he'll bring those hostels back to your street. Very nice. At least on the weekends. In the evenings. And you can do it in the evenings as well, if you can. Because it's marathon, so you take that extra time that you want to do. Uh, we'll be doing seven days a week, but just do as many more days as you can as well. Thank you. Krishna. Thank yes. Thank you for class. How do you know preaching whether we should use this method as painting a picture versus going directly against the person's statements? Oh, what a nice question. Well, Krishna first tried to go against it. Didn't he? So first he was just telling Arjuna, look, don't worry about this honor and dishonor, just fight for the sake of fighting. Just do everything for the sake of Vishnu. He kept trying to go that way. And Arjuna was like, I don't get it. You're just confusing me. I don't know how to be both in transcendence and fight. I can't figure it out. So, what, what I usually do is I usually try first the direct approach. Because I'm lazy. The direct approach is fast if it works, right? 
So if you just say to someone, oh, that's a stupid idea. And if they go, yeah, you're right. Done. You know, your whole preaching was over in 10 seconds. So, you know, as I say, being lazy, I, I usually go for the direct cut first. But if you try that and you get resistance, then you need to back up and think, okay, maybe I should use another strategy. So it's, as a teacher, as a preacher, if, if you try something and you get resistance, don't try to force your way through the resistance. Because uh, austerities of speech are to be beneficial, to actually benefit people, and one of the offenses is to preach above somebody's level of understanding. So, you know, you want to, you want to be very careful that you don't try to force things through people. But, I mean, as I say, I'm lazy, so I, I always try to direct first. You know, at least try at least a little bit. You know, at least a little. At least kind of test it a little bit. And and see how the person responds. And if if they respond well, then okay, I keep going. And if they, if I get a pushback, then, then back off and try something else. I just find thank you for the class. I just find sometimes that microphone can, can the microphone wander over. For myself, sometimes I find that I need to back up. I find the resistance in myself. Ah, very wise. Yes. And in order to preserve uh, the love of Krishna, the, the yes, I sometimes need to back Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was talking about where Prabhupada said, "Over endeavor is where you you take a vow you can't meet." You, it's, it's pride, you know, where we, we think we can do something, and we try, and then we see, I can't do that. I, I need to drop back to a level that I, can, that I can sustain. You know, it's far better to do something that you can sustain over the long haul than do something, you know, glorious and wonderful and burn yourself out. So, yeah, we have to do that, too. I mean, we, we want to try to push ourselves forward. But as Bhaktivinoda says in Bhaktiloka, you fall down either going too fast or too slow. So don't be so easy on yourself that you're not making any progress, and don't be so hard on yourself that you just burn yourself out. You know, and this is something that we consult with our guru, we consult with our senior devotees, and we also have to be a little introspective. You know, I, I was uh, recently... In a, in a particularly intense travel and preaching, I mean, it was like really intense, where I was changing locations every like three days, it was kind of nuts. And it, 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 doing programs where there was a lot of travel, you know, it was really, really intense. And it, at one point I came back after a program to where I was staying, and this one woman says to me, Ormila, is there any service I can do for you? I said, yeah, just let me be by myself for a while. She's like, no, I want to serve you. I said, then please just let me be by myself for a while. But is there any service? I yes, just let me be by myself for a while. <laughs> you know, so we also have to understand what are our, you know, as Prabhupada said, the highest principle is to save others and higher than that is to save yourself. So that, that's got to be there. You know, you, you want to be able to chant good quality japa and you want to be able to have time for deep deity worship and deep study and 
again, it's a question of, of taking care of yourself over the long haul because you can't be any good to anybody else if you're falling apart. And, and really, much better to do something where you can make steady progress and you can maintain than to say, you know, you always try something. <laughs> so, sometimes we also get surprised by what we can do. You know? You don't want to be covered by fear. So both of those. You know, be, be willing to take some risks and at the same time, don't be foolish. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. you, to, I, you know, specifics, you have to look at your own life and with your own authorities. <coughs> yes? Actually, we don't have choice. Many people, they think spiritual life is very difficult and they again go back to material life. The spiritual life is difficult, material life is impossible. And again, like... Uh, that sounds like a little motto you have over your refrigerator or something. <laughs> and also, Krishna, Arjuna actually, after giving five reasons, desiring not to fight, and finally he surrendered to Karpatya Dosha and then uh, Arjuna is having all these questions, but then Krishna is telling in the 18th chapter that if you don't listen to me, act according to your force, you know, you'll be lost. Yes. <laughs> yes. So like that, however, what choice do we have other than doing spiritual life, material life is it? Useless. Useless. <laughs> Better to do spiritual life and risk failure and whatever. <laughs> all zeros. All you know, zeros. Absolutely zero. Completely zero. zero. But I, I, the spiritual life, the only thing that's difficult about spiritual life, the only thing that's difficult about spiritual life is our reluctance to face our inartas and our false ego. Spiritual life otherwise is not actually difficult at all. The spiritual path is a very, very easy path. What is difficult about it is our own resistance to the path. It's not the path that's difficult, it's our resisting the path that's difficult. The path itself is not difficult. Bhakti yoga is not a difficult path. Jhana yoga is a difficult path, frankly. For, for most people in Kali Yuga, including me, Jhana yoga is a difficult path, technically. Bhakti is not a difficult path. But when we resist it, when we're in bhakti, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, don't purify me today. <laughs> Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you can purify me, but very, very slowly and gently, please. Hare Krishna. That, you know, we're, we're pushing back. And, and Prabhupada said, until Nishta, it's a hard struggle with determination. Why? Because we're working through the anartas. And we're, we're holding on to the anarta. We're going, you know, like... Please, Krishna, take this away from me. <laughs> Please, take it away. You know, so that's... And Krishna's kind of like... <laughs> so that's the, the, the difficulty in bhakti. Uh, but bhakti itself is not difficult. And, and uh, you know, learning how to go through that in Arthanavritti... If one learns how to go through that in Arjuna Vritti, then also that is not difficult. But that is... So I disagree that spiritual life is difficult. I disagree with that. And as far as material life is impossible, it's impossible to gain success in material life. There's no success. It's all sand. It's all soap bubbles. It, it's all a dream. But as far as saying it's impossible, you know, in the Kali Yuga, being a materialist is the path of least resistance. So I think being a materialist is easy in that sense. 
you know, unless you have devotee parents, it's what your parents expect you to do. It's what society expects you to do. Society is set up to facilitating you doing that. So if you want to be a materialist, all the it's all kind of there. And you can sort of sleep through the whole thing. You know, you just kind of go to your job and make some money and pay your mortgage and fight with your spouse and watch television and drink your beer and go to sleep. And it's... It, you know, it's, so in that sense, I think to be a materialist in Kali Yuga is not a very difficult thing to do. I think it's sort of the well-worn path. But if you're going to talk about being happy being a materialist, that's impossible. Yeah, but then he's talking. Okay, so you're trying to say spiritual life is difficult. Do you want to believe that spiritual life is difficult? Do you want to believe that spiritual life is difficult? Is that your desire to believe that? So what does Krishna say after Jirachaya? What is the next thing he says? Ah, so don't forget that. <laughs> How long does Prabhupada said it can take us to surrender to Krishna? One second. So who's making it difficult? Thank you. Me too. I mean, I'm not criticizing you. <laughs> criticizing myself. Yes. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hello, uh, question. I know there's two paths: the spiritual path and the material path. Yes. But is there a real duality between between material life and the spiritual life? Because sometimes. I've heard this, you know. I've heard like, uh, yeah, we have to have some balance between material life, spiritual life. Uh, in the beginning of the class, you you said that, or you're a spiritual or you're a material. So, is there a real duality in this spiritual life, or material life? Because I've heard about them. This is a happy question for me. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> are those really heavy around your neck? Those are they really heavy? No, they're nice. Sometimes you see these babas at Radhakun, you know, with these like big Prabhupada <laughs> <laughs> said material life means when someone is happy I am unhappy, and when someone is unhappy I am happy. And spiritual life means I am happy at others' happiness and sad at others' sadness. So that's the difference. Or you can say the difference between material and spiritual life is in material life I think I am the enjoyer and spiritual life I think I am a servant. Or you could say material life is I think I'm this body and this mind, so I'm a body and I have all these upadis. Spiritual life means Jivara Swara Pari Krishna and Nityadash. 20th chapter Krishna book Prabhupada says the materialists see the world as very aggressive the spiritualists see everything as happy so the path of material life and spiritual life does not mean in bhakti yoga it does mean in dhyana yoga not in bhakti yoga it does not mean whether you have a house whether you have a job whether you have money 
whether you have a career. That's not what material and spiritual means in bhakti yoga. In dhyana yoga, which is what this chapter is about, it's very important to take Arjuna's question in the context of this chapter, where Krishna is saying, okay, fine, don't fight, Arjuna, good. Forget it. Don't be a ksatriya. Don't be a husband. How many wives did Arjuna have? Two. Don't be a ksatriya. Don't be a husband. Don't be a father. Don't run the government. Don't do any of that stuff. Go to the forest, look at the tip of your nose, chant on, sit on a deer skin, eat roots, be a brahmachari. And I'm going to get, uh, I don't think I'm going to make it. So in jhana yoga, yes. In jhana yoga, you're not doing jhana yoga as a Wall Street banker going to a yoga session in the morning and trying to awaken your kundalini. That's a farce. In jhana yoga, yes, you have to give up everything. Forget about family, forget about career, forget about bank balance. You, you, you have to wear a deer skin. Forget about your cheesecake. <laughs> and beautiful kirtans, and forget that. It's all just... Uh, all day. So in Dhyana Yoga, there is this real split in, in how you live externally. And now in Karma Yoga, there isn't. In Dhyana Yoga, in Gyan Yoga somewhat, and certainly in Bhakti, there is not. In Bhakti, there, there, there isn't this kind of thing. You can be in Bhakti in any of the ashrams, in any of the varnas, Yes? So if people are talking about balancing material and spiritual life, frankly, I don't know what they're talking about in Bhakti Yoga. Because in Bhakti Yoga, you're not supposed to have a material life at all. Your, your whole life is supposed to be spiritualized. And I understand what they kind of mean is, how do I, you know, drive my kids to soccer practice and keep up on my profession and get my rounds done and read Prabhupada's books. They're, they're talking about kind of like time and prioritizing management when they ask that question. Like I had a devotee who was an eye doctor who said, you know, how do I keep up on the research in my field and read Prabhupada's books? I only have so much reading time every day. So they're, they're asking kind of a practice practical time management prioritizing question when they're asking that question. But we're supposed to see, you know, if we're grahastas, we're supposed to see my family as Krishna's servants. My home is a temple. Bhaktivinoda said, I take the Charanamrita, my home turns into Vaikuntha. We're supposed to see Krishna everywhere and the, the light and all luminous objects and the heat and fire and the, our ability and our intelligence and the water and everything. We're supposed to see Krishna everywhere. 
that we don't need to go in the forest and just stare at the tip of our nose and give up our, our home and our car and our career. And that's what Krishna comes to in the Bhagavad Gita. Mam Anusma Yujacha. Think of me and fight. Be it, you know, or even at the end of this chapter, Yogi Nabi Sarvisha Margatena Tratana. Shadavan Bhajati Yamam Samayita Tamamataha. So we bhakti yogas, bhakti yogis should not be delineating material and spiritual life by those sort of things. By are you, you know, a sannyasi or are you a grahasta? That that's not the way that we are that we should be understanding the difference between matter and spirit. In fact, I just read Purport in the fourth canto where Prabhupada was saying very clearly that ultimately everything is spiritual. There is nothing material at all. And the 14th chapter of Krishna Prabhupada says, Maya exists only within the mind. So material is a way of seeing reality. It's a distorted way of understanding our own identity. It's a distorted way of understanding matter, you know, objects. It's a distorted way of understanding other living beings. We're, we're perceiving things wrongly. And no, you can't both perceive things rightly and wrongly. And nor do you want to balance that. You want to only perceive things rightly. But we do want to have some balance, as it says in Ishapanishad, between knowing the temporary and the eternal, between knowing the creation of the material world and the spiritual pastimes. We do want that. The Bhagavatam, I mean, Bhagavad Gita has whole sections on the modes of material nature, how the material nature works, and whole sections on the transcendence. Bhagavatam, whole sections on the universal form, Varnashram, right? And then whole sections on Krishna's eternal lila in the spiritual world. So in that sense, but we see all of that as lila, you know? We see the creation of the world as lila, lakya, karanarana, vajalei, vajatisma, yoga, nidrama, nantadigadanda, saramakupa, adharashakti, mahalamya, kamsavartim. We see everything as Krishna. So it may look like, okay, I, I'm understanding something of the world and I'm understanding something of, of Goloka, but it's all Krishna. Is that okay? That was such a wonderful question. Did I answer it, though? It was a great question. I'm wondering if I gave at least a passable answer. Thank you so much. Yes, Philip. I think maybe a part of my question is already answered but in my heart, so I won't ask this question. Okay. Um, there are days when you are really enjoying the spiritual life. Ah. You're very happy and you are able to uh, perform so many spiritual activities. And one fine day or in the course of time, something changes. All of a sudden you are struggling and uh, you are just thinking, how do I have come to this situation? What has changed? I don't know where are the association. I'm struggling so much. And I, I just want to ask, what is it that changes? Because um, we're still trying to be a devotee and we struggle so much. The same thing you were riding high on as the eagle when you were I'm a, I'm a teacher, so I guess I see things in terms of. One of my students says, told me once, Mother Emily used too many teaching analogies, but I don't know what else to do. <laughs> So, you know, if you're a good teacher, you're not giving people lessons in new things, hard things constantly. It's too much. You know, but every once in a while, you may have to give them something that's really tough. 
So, you know, Krishna knows what our... A lot of our anarthas just kind of go away very easily in the course of bhakti without very much effort on our part at all. We just feel so much attracted to Krishna that we naturally, parajas from Nivartite, we just naturally lose our taste for lower things. But there are certain anarthas that, in each one of us is different, that are very deep-rooted, that we're very attached to, that we really don't want to face, and sometimes we have to work on those. Sometimes they have to be surfaced and we have to work on those, and we have to work on those very conscientiously and very deliberately. Bhakti Takur talks about the demons uh, as being symbolic of different anarthas, and he says most of them are killed by Krishna automatically, but Palambasura and um, Denikasura, which are killed by Balaram, representing the modes of passion and ignorance, must be destroyed by the devotees themselves along by surrendering to Guru. This is a secret of Raj Bhakti. So certain anarchists just, they go away so easily and so effortlessly that we hardly even notice. We're like, oh wow, you know, I'm just not interested in that anymore. Wow, I, have, I haven't been interested in that for a year now and I never even noticed it. And it just, well, that was easy. I didn't, I just got absorbed in the service and it was gone. But other things are not like that. They're, and, and I say it's different for each one of us. And at a certain point, Krishna says, hey, you know, uh, we've got to work on this. And you bring something up and you look at it and you go, well, what is that? And he says, you got to work on this. And often those things come disguised as devotion. Just hearing a lecture by Bhakti Vigyan Swami the other day at Govardhan, he was talking about self-deception in an art and a which is a lot of what Raghunath Swami talks about in the donkey urine bath, where you know we think that we're getting clean, but actually we're bathing in donkey urine. So it's you know, these are the, the, some of the metaphors I wove into this book, but it was those things have to be revealed to us, and they, it tends to be painful. There tends to be some pain involved. Now, if you deal with that properly, the pain doesn't last very long, and it becomes what Rupa Goswami describes as a ghastly rasa. It becomes actually a rasa. If you're, if you're willing to look at the stuff in deep humility, mixed with, with devotion. Humil- not, not, the, not a self-absorbed, self-pitying mode of ignorance kind of thing. And then so on. But this, this thing where in, as part of your love for Krishna, you become aware of how deeply fallen you are. Then it's actually a rasa, and it's very sweet. And although it's intense, it's not suffering. So one can deal with those times in that way, which is a whole other class. Or two. Or two. Or two. Thank you. I hope that was just a little sutra, but, you know. Anybody else? We have maybe one more. And then we should end. Are you going to tell me again to go out and do books? <laughs> You shot that down by saying, I tried not to. You shot it down by saying, don't work too hard, don't worry too much about it. Did I? Oh, that's what it sounded like. But just a quick thing. Um, you're suggesting a nice, easy 
piece of life. Did I? Can you make that was half of what I said. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I also said don't be lazy. You can't, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't take half the head. And what, what I heard? What well, I heard. that was one half, yeah, but what have I got to get a half? <laughs> Rocky, you know, it said don't go too fast and don't go too slow. slow. You're just taking the don't go too fast part. Well, here's my question. Okay, but don't go too slow with I'll hear you out. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> See, do you think devotional service is difficult, painful? Well, it's so much fun. Yes. Can you make any tangible advancement in spiritual life if you sit in your comfort zone? No. I told you I took half the head. No. You have to push yourself forward, but don't break yourself. Yes, push yourself out of your comfort zone. Go forward, but don't break yourself. Don't damage yourself. Don't go too fast and don't go too slow. We have some devotees who need to be told over and over again, don't go too fast, and other devotees who need to be told over and over again, don't go too slow. Don't go too fast, don't go too slow. Like a car on the highway, you want to keep moving. By the way, sometimes you can stop at a rest area. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, that's also okay. Like Baba said, the Sankirtan devotee should every year go to Mayapur for Gorpanima. And just dance. You can sometimes just dance. But don't go too slowly. If you go too slowly, what happens is you, you lose a taste. If you're, if you're not challenging, I probably said the art of management is to always give people fresh challenges that they can achieve. If, if you're not pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and going for fresh challenges, you kind of dry up. Even on a material level, that's kind of, you know, look at that, I use the word material. But even in terms of materialists, like, like my, my thesis was on job satisfaction and motivation. If you're not making some progression in your career, you get bored. If you feel that, you know, I've already done everything there is to do, I can't go any further. So, spiritual life is dynamic. Even when you're a pure devotee, it's still dynamic. But don't push yourself so far that you break. Don't take vows you can't keep, probably. Just reading that again today. I was looking up something and I ran into it again. So... You want to, you want, this is a, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. <laughs> uh, you want to be able to stay long term and keep going. What do you want to be able to stay long term and do? Sit? No, you want it. It's a movement. You want to be able to keep going forward long term. So to be able to keep going forward long term, you have to do it in a way that's sustainable for you. But Bhakti says you'll fall if you go, you're too fast or too slow. 
just like on the highway. You get an accident if you're going too fast, you get an accident if you're going too slowly. And what that pace is is not going to be the same every day or every year. There's going to be some times in your life that you can go really fast in spiritual life. And other times you've got, just like Robin said, if your mind's very disturbed, stop everything. Just sit down and chant. And he gave an analogy that's given in all meditation systems, interestingly, even like by the Buddhists, and where they said if the water's muddy, you have to let it settle so you can see clearly. So Prabhupada said, if you're very disturbed, stop everything. Just sit down and chant. So it depends. Don't be lazy. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Don't just say, you know, in 10,000 years I'll become a pure devotee. And don't start only sleeping one hour a day and get sick. You understand? One has to be a little intelligent. You know, these people who try to force themselves to be renunciates and then at 45, oh my God, I gotta get married. You know, you should have married at 25. And then by now your kids will be grown up and you could become renounced. You understand? So to, to be sane and stable. And this is a lot of what's happening right now in this verse. A lot of what's happening where Arjuna is proposing to Krishna to do something that for the purposes of Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna is not capable of. Of course Arjuna is capable of it because he's a pure devotee. But for the purposes of Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna is proposing something he's not capable of. And so Krishna is saying, fine, do it. And Arjuna looks at it and he goes, I'm not capable of doing that. Does that make sense to you? Do you follow? Now, I don't think Krishna wanted Arjuna in a comfort zone. But being able to know what I can do and what I can't do, and consulting with others, and so that's why we have Guru, that's why we have senior devotees, and we can say, hey, you know, do I need to push myself harder, or am I doing it just right, or am I not pushing hard enough? and get feedback from them. Alright? Is that okay? Did, did I get the whole thing now? <laughs> but, but... The small thing. Okay, sure. Sure. And then we have to stop. Well, I do appreciate the balance that you're talking about here. Krishna certainly is not allowing Arjun to sit on his back you know, in the battle, but he wants him to fight. Yes, indeed. Um, and and win, win the whole kingdom. Um, he's really pushing him well beyond his comfort level. And even Shiravopad came. Yeah, but look at this, Prabhu, right here in this chapter. Is, our, is Krishna telling Arjuna in chapter 6 to fight? No, but that's because he no. wants him to do psychology. Yes. His real aim is to actually push him from that. Exactly. But he's doing it by saying, sure, fine, look at what this one looks like. He's suggesting to, he's suggesting to a patient of Shakshya to sit down and do something that Brahma might do. Exactly. It's not going to be possible. Because that's what Arjuna is saying he wants to do. So yeah, it wouldn't be possible. Exactly. It would, it would break him. He would fail. I mean, not really because he's Arjuna, but you can understand for the sake. And Arjuna is seeing that and he's saying, I would fail. Is this the 
healing entity, the soul, he's remain situated we don't just sit in our comfort zone. Unless someone comes along the spiritual teacher and says, Where he goes, Absolutely. You know, get from here to here. Absolutely. It's a long way. Don't sit. Absolutely. You know, for me, I'm just a myself. I have had eight million four hundred species of life to, to sit at a coffee table. Along the you know, on the motorway of life. As, as a fly you were sitting on the coffee table. So, so what I'm saying to you, um, I don't need to sit anymore, I need to put jobs. Absolutely, absolutely. May you be successful. Thank you very much, you will by Kija. Um, if anybody wants me to sign a book, I can do that. <laughs>